Welcome to the More Than Just Dumbbells podcast. My name is Jason Lindsay. And my name is Kitty Truex. We are the More Than Just Dumbbells podcast. We are we powered are. by PowerBlock. PowerBlock.com would be where I would go if I wanted what, Kitty? The world's best dumbbell that's adjustable, P.S. The world's smartest dumbbell built different. Built different. It is a product for who? For everybody. For anybody. That's everybody. Everybody, yes. Yes. The healthy comes in all shapes and sizes. It sure does. Yes, it does. So the uh, check out powerblock.com. Kitty, are you excited uh, as I am for our guest today? I'm almost a little freaking out excited. Well, you're a musician. You play in a band. You're kind of a big deal. I'm not. And I, you know, but he was, this This is an interesting story. Our guest is Ryan Tedder and who is Ryan Tedder? He's Ryan, many things, but who is, he what's, is he mo- things, what's he most known? most known for being the front singer for One Republic. Yeah, a, a band that I think most people have heard of and, prop- and many people love. A lot of people right? know their songs even if they don't know that it's One Republic. Correct, yeah. And, and in addition to that, he's written songs for all kinds. He's like, he's a, a more prolific songwriter than our own Dan Wilson, you know, which you might not even know that name. Over right. my head, that's so, fine. But he is a you know songwriter indeed. Semi-Sonic. I'm going to ask Semi-Sonic. him. Semi-Sonic. Oh. I'm going to ask him if he knows Dan Wilson. Sure. And he might, because I think these guys, you know, they kind of know each other. But anyway, the the story on that is his a personal trainer, somebody I think who works them, you know, as a, as a coach. As a coach. <laughs> Fitness coach asked me about, you know, Power Block and Ryan Tedder, if there's, you know, if there's anything we could do, a connection. And I said, yeah, let's, I'd love to have Ryan on the podcast if he's. Yes. If, especially if I think he's new to, fairly new to lifting weights maybe, or at least, you know, he's a runner. We know that. I'm looking so forward to asking so him that. So there's a fitness component. We are going to ask him questions because we, we, it'd be stupid not to about, you know, One Republic. We are powered or, or by Power Block. growing up and how he got into the band and started it and of formed course. it and all that stuff. So, yeah, is there, what, what are you most excited to find out from Ryan? Well, actually, I found out that he started a, a sparkling water, a hemp extract sparkling water company, and I really want to learn about it. It's, it sounds fantastic okay. for his anxiety, oh. for burnout. You know, I mean, he would be in... 226 cities in 50 countries. I mean, just crazy touring for over 200 days a year. So, you know, I want to ask, how does he get over that? And how does he take care of himself? Is it with fitness? I'm looking forward to Ryan Tedder a lot. You know, the thing is, we've got limited time. But well, because he's busy, he's a busy guy. Of course. We appreciate anything he could give us. And we also don't like to have, you know, hour long podcasts. And I don't, I'm not going to ask him to come on again. I'm not going to put him on the spot. You know, because this is this is a pretty big deal. This is for a big us. deal. Not that our guests aren't big deals, but this is you know this is kind of a, a special one. But I've got a lot of questions I'd love to ask him. I won't get to them all, but uh, you know we'll keep it we'll keep it about his you know how how he got into music. He's got quite a story there. I yeah, think. he grew up in a Christian pastor missionary background. And uh, yeah, great. And then we'll get to his fitness stuff, and yeah. then we'll see where it goes from there. Awesome. I'm ready. I'm ready to get him on, Jason. Are you, you ready? ready? We'll, we'll take a little bit of uh, station identification. You're listening break, to the More Than Just Dumbbells podcast, on sponsored we'll get, by PowerBlock. Right After the show, head on over to PowerBlock.com and check out the wide variety of adjustable dumbbells. Please, they pay our bills. We would appreciate it. And now, back to the podcast. All right, and we are back, Kitty, and we've got a super special guest, not not a typical one. Super talk- special superstar. Yeah, well, he's definitely all that. Who are we talking about? We are talking about Ryan Tedder. And who is he? He is the... Oh, my God. He is in One Republic. He is the lead singer of One Republic. Wow. How do we land him? How you I- doing, Ryan? How you doing today? I'm I'm doing great, man. Thanks, thanks for... Uh- Thanks for having me. I un- and not only did we land, Ryan, and, and we appreciate your time, dude, and we're super excited, but 
you know, he's scrambling. He, you you played last yeah, night in, tell us in about Utah, that. right? So what, what what happened last night? Yeah, I had a show last night at a concert in Utah. We had about 10,000 people there. It's pretty crazy. And, uh, and then I had a session, a recording session earlier in the day. And then I'm playing the LA Rams Chicago Bears game this Sunday. We're doing the halftime show. It's the nice. first game wow. in the brand new stadium oh, yeah. wow. in Los Angeles. The, the one they built for the Olympics in, in four years or eight years, whenever it's coming. Oh. And so, yeah, I'm excited. We're playing that halftime. I got a show tonight with Kygo at a different stadium in LA. And then somewhere in all that, we shot a uh, live, you know, we, we had to shoot a bunch of other live stuff. So it's, it's just been a combination of recording sessions and I got a, a couple songs coming out on some some different artists in the next week or so so I've been doing some interviews around that and yeah it's been a bit of this has been uh you know up there with the busiest we, we just released a new album called human a week ago congratulations so thank you so the, the 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 week or the two weeks surrounding an album release is usually absolute chaos and because of covid it's it's an abbreviated version of yeah, chaos. Norm, normally, it would be like five or six weeks of nonstop travel, but it's it's just like two weeks of of chaos. So I'm, I just told my wife this morning, if I can just survive through Sunday, I'll be okay. Massive appreciation for being on our show. Thanks for finding the time to fit us in, brother. Absolutely, That's amazing. Absolutely. You, you know, I so I want to let me ask you this first, and then we'll go kind of back to where maybe back to when you were younger. But with that new stadium, you know, you've played all over the place all the time. But is, is there is there yeah. added pressure because it's a brand new stadium? Good question. I mean, I would say it's added added pressure because it's a home crowd, and you know, it's like I've always felt like the underdog, just as a recording artist and a, you know, just a, an artist in general, a musician. I don't, you know. There's only a handful of Rolling Stones out there or U2s or Bruce Springsteen's where they know they walk out into the crowd and 100% of everybody is like so stoked that, that they're there playing. Right. So I always have this like, whenever we're doing large sporting events in, in stadiums, I mean, I love doing them. We've, we've played stadiums before ourselves as a headliner. We've opened for U2 on multiple tours. Wow. Um, and John Bon Jovi, or Bon Jovi, and and you know a few others. But I always uh, approach it with a little trepidation because I know that uh, uh, there's going to be some people in the crowd that are like, ah, man, these guys, come on. And then there's going to be people that are ecstatic. And then there's going to be uh, oh, the, the one thing I know for there's the yes, yeah, so there's the middle section where there there's a handful of people that are going to go, oh, I thought it was One Direction. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say it if you did. I, I was know, like, dude, I know there's I people. Know. <laughs> I'm like, don't yeah, say One Direction, Jason. That it's happens. One Republic. That happens. Yeah. yeah. Well, you wrote that a song happens. for One Direction. And, well, the, One Direction's been broken up for eight years, so I'm just like, can we just, yeah. just, can we just Not stop you guys, already? Though. You guys are um, no. rocking and rolling. No, we've been around for a long time. We've been around for a long time. And, you know, the one thing that I always remind myself is, regardless of anybody's expectations, if you're playing for, for 60, I think I think it's a 62,000 seater. We get it. Once we get into the music, everyone goes, Oh yeah, I love mm. this song. Oh my yeah, God. Exactly. I love it. Oh yeah. I like these guys. And that's, that's kind of our, our <laughs> that's what we tip our typical response. That's awesome. Well, and coming up, you guys have been together for 20 years. You formed in Oh two. Well, that right? we, we formed in, we formed in like the nexus of the idea was Oh three. Okay. Mm. And, and we moved to LA in Oh three, we were called Republic and I had already written apologize and I was kind of like, I've got this one hit song under my belt. And, but it took us from 03 to 07 to become the five of us that we are now, five or six of us now. And um, 
So really, yeah, the, I would say the idea for the band, me, me and my guitar player went to high school together in, in Colorado. And then we, the band really started, the, the, I'd say the, the Zygot, the Amoeba, started in 03. And we were really a fully formed band by 07. And that's, and th- that's the same year that Apologize came out. Awesome. What's, yeah. what, what, was, what was childhood like? I mean, some of it was in Oklahoma before you ended up in Colorado, right? But if, if I've got yeah. this right, you were, you, were just, you were singing two, three hours a day as a kid. Is that Playing accurate? Piano. I, yeah. Yeah, I was, I mean, the two things that I did, I was an only child. So the two things that I did, and this is pre-social media, thank God. So the, I had enough time in my hands that I played um, every sport. I mean, I, I, was, I was nuts. I was just like, filling every minute of every day since I can remember. So I did soccer for about 17 years, basketball for 12, football, baseball, tennis. I pretty much everything but wrestling. I I I I was so I was I was either on a field, on a court or in the weight room or I was on the stage in theater or or doing music. So I was like a, you remember that that show Glee? Yes. I was when I first saw that show, Corey Monteith, you know, uh, the guy that sadly passed away, but the star of that show who would sneak out after football practice and sneak into the theater, you know, class or whatever. That was me. I mean, literally that character was me. I was like, Oh my God, that's, that's, that, that was me. I was doing football, doing basketball, like, you know, just doing all that stuff. And you know, it's Oklahoma, right? So it's extremely aggro, you know, macho football, sure. chewing dip, chewing dip, and like uh, pickup trucks and and field parties and bailing hay in the summer and all that stuff. That's a visual. Wow. And then I was the America. guy who was. It's. I mean, that's the that that is my 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 high school Deer Creek. If you've seen the movie Varsity Blue, yeah, that's exactly um, where I went. Yeah, that is literally yeah. my wow. high. Yeah, that's my high school experience. That's that's my awesome experience. The, the, the captain of the football team dated the captain of the cheerleading squad, literally. And so yeah, that was my we had we had we had oil derricks on my right next to the football field. We had oil derricks like pumping oil the whole time. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it was just really out in the country, Oklahoma. And so I did that for years. And once I realized that I was not going to be six foot six, which I was hoping to be, my basketball dreams were shattered, and I pivoted. I started spending a lot more time on music than sports, and that's kind of when I transitioned into what I do now. Amazing! Thank you for breaking that down for us. Now, during that time that you were, you know, playing piano and singing and all that stuff, do you feel like there was any artist? I'm sure there's a list of artists, but do you feel like any standout artist really made an impact on you or influenced you? For sure, I was super into the early and mid '90s. R&B, New Jack City, Boys mm. to Men, like Belle Viv DeVoe, yeah. you know, all the hip hop. So I was more into urban music and R&B and hip hop. And I was singing my ass off to that stuff. I didn't get into the grunge era. I'm also very like kind of, you know, I'm the, if, the, if there's a hundred people that are all like turning right, I'm, I'm the asshole that turns left. That's just, that's you just rebel. my nature. I, I, I don't like doing things because of group think. Got it. And at the, t- at the time in the early 90s, uh, you know, Nirvana was huge. Soundgarden, I actually did like Soundgarden. Uh, Pearl Jam, it, it was so all-consuming, that era uh, with grunge music. And I was just like, nah, I'm out. I can't. Too many people like this stuff. Like, and so I was listening to British import CDs. I was, oh. I was crushing Peter Gabriel and 
I was obsessed nice. with Peter nice. Gabriel. Right. I, I was obsessed with Genesis and Simply Red and Seal. Like I had, you know, you know that song "Crazy" by Seal. Yeah. I, I like I had that CD a year before it came out oh. because my my uncle lived in London, so I was listening to all the British import stuff. So wow. in the '90s, my big influence was a lot of the American R&B and hip hop stuff combined with all the British import stuff. So like Oasis to me was like god i was like oh my god that's the band i want to be in i I worshiped oasis and in oklahoma in 1995 you know people they played wonderwall on the radio but none of my friends cared a lick about it or even knew who oasis was but that was like you know so i was really into that i was into the british i wanted to get out of oklahoma i wanted to get out of my small town that i lived in community and so i was most of the things that, that held my attention were things that were from like faraway places because that's where I wanted to be. I wanted to be anywhere but where I was. So where did you move? You know, where were your beginnings? Like from, let's say, 18 to 25? Where were your beginnings of being an artist? And and when did it become a turning point? When did you turn into being an artist? At 17 years old, I I moved. I left. I moved out of my house and I moved to Colorado where my, my dad's side of the family lived. And I moved in with my aunt and uncle. And I ended up going on all these mission trips around the world and traveling for the, you know, I went to the Czech Republic in like 95, right after the, the communism, <laughs> this, this dates me, but like, I remember being there and they were still recovering from, from communism. And, and all these trips involved a lot of music. And I was just obs- obsessed with the, the songs that we were doing and, you know, learning them and singing them. And, and I was just I was obsessed with music. I, I, I walked around with headphones on. I was actually I was probably rude, if I'm being honest, to a lot of people because I Awareness. I didn't ever I didn't ever not have a set of headphones around my neck or on. Like I was just I was that kid, and and so I just you know I was obsessed with music. I started learning songs that were on the radio, and then once I got to college, and I, I ironically I was hell-bent on going to i had applied to yale and i got waitlisted at yale which is not really a fun thing to do because you just sit around and hope somebody picks you or somebody somebody cancels so i got waitlisted at yale i was going to go to baylor and then i applied to ucla and and i you know i didn't have any money so i went to the one place that offered me full scholarship was my the college my parents went to so i ended up ironically back in oklahoma and i was getting a degree in in marketing and advertising and whatnot but they had this piano, the music department had like about 20, 20 some odd rooms with pianos in them. These doors that you could just close and lock and, and you just have a piano. And so once I discovered that my freshman year, I would just disappear for hours on end pretty much almost every day. And I was writing songs by myself for the better part of four years. I put in as, mu- as many hours in those piano rooms as I did into my degree and by the time I was, let's say, 19, I was in Nashville. And during the summer, I had an internship at a music publishing company. And I entered a contest that MTV was hosting. And they were doing a talent contest all around the country. And I won the Nashville uh, chapter of that. And then I ended up on TRL two weeks later. Carson Daly. And I, 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 won a, I won the whole thing nationally. I won a record deal on TRL in like 2000. And that's really when I knew that I was probably headed to towards a career in music. That's you an incredible story. You, you knew you probably knew you weren't <laughs> convinced. Like honestly, I mean, what, 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 you know, what's the uh, thought process there? That's that's a big deal. 
Well, it's, it's kind of like, you know, I'm very, I'm very measured in kind of my degrees of excitement that mm-hmm. I get about anything as I do. I just, I've, I've just, I don't know. It's just the way I'm my stepdad's a, was a, was a, a banker <laughs> and mm-hmm. an analyst. So mm-hmm. I approach everything with a, you know, a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. And so I was ecstatic that I'd won this thing, but the, the contract itself was rather murky. So no, like what I actually won was kind of not really a record deal. It was like mm. a production deal and, and getting a record deal when at that time, you know, I guess at any time, even now, right. Feels like you, that's the first mountain, right. But you know, if you're climbing Everest or if you're climbing, um, you know, whatever fill in the blank mountain and you crest that first thing, you're six hours in and you crest that first peak and you're you're thinking oh my god i did it and then you crest the peak and you realize oh my god this is the lowest peak of like 10 peaks Mm. i have to keep going Mm. getting signed to a label it definitely is an accomplishment when you come from you know what i consider to be kind of the middle of nowhere oklahoma so i felt like okay i did it but then i realized okay crap this is now this is when the actual work begins and then and then that was kind of that was kind of it and then i realized it you know it still it took me what was it, it took me six or seven years from that point to actually succeed in music mm-hmm. wow wow that was a heck yeah, of a train no, it sounded like your training started when you got that yeah in essence record deal yeah in quotes. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah basically yeah so ryan i want to ask one more question about yeah, songwriting yeah. when then we'll get to fitness from a songwriting perspective specifically lyrics you know where does that where do the ideas come from are you in the uber writing on a notebook is it middle of the night you wake up and you had a notepad where does that that creative process talk about that um it comes from uh a multitude of things um if i'm writing with an artist like if uh, miley cyrus or adele for instance or beyonce i listen to them talk i usually i i if a, if a session starts at two in the afternoon, I intentionally don't start working on music for about an hour. I let them talk. And being a song, being a songwriter for artists is as much being a therapist as anything. So you let them vent. Hopefully they have something to talk about, good or bad or otherwise. Or you might play music that they're, that they're into to get inspired. But I let them talk and I listen. And nine times out of 10, they will say something. They'll say a phrase in their a sentence and I, I and i just kind of snatch it out of thin air and i go stop right there hmm. that's the song that's the title that's the concept that's what we're saying today and they're always excited by that because it they said it so automatically i've got them you know feeling pretty bullish on the idea because i extracted it from them yeah. and our, artists artists in their in their heart of hearts always want to be their own their best source material, right? So that's probably my favorite way to have a, to come up with a concept. It also takes the the burden off me. In casual conversation all the time, I'm talking to people and people will, it could be your freaking drunk frat buddy from college, or it could be the, the an analyst from Goldman Sachs, you know, over <laughs> that somebody you went to college with. And it doesn't really matter how articulate or intelligent somebody is. If you just listen to people talking in daily conversations without fail, every day somebody will say something profound, mm-hmm. and 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 you just have to be paying attention. And then I'll typically jot that down if I if it's if it's a good enough idea. If I'm reading a book, if I'm looking at sometimes the New York Times bestseller list, and 
the titles of books are sometimes brilliant and they, mm. they make for great song song you know and so that's that's a lot of where it comes from and then uh, and then the other half of it is uh, like i you know did a song yesterday with an artist uh, named sg lewis we were writing a song thinking about dua lipa right because uh, because mm. sure. you know they're they're tight so it's like okay well in theory if she hears the a song and and loves it you know what 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 kind of lyrics going to make sense for her so mm. for, we, we thought about that for about five seconds yesterday was one of my you know look some some lyrics take you know apologize i had the chorus and it took me six months to do the verses counting mm. stars i had the chorus melody it took me four or five months of noodling with it to get the chorus perfect i wrote the verses in 20 minutes halo i wrote in three hours jonas brothers sucker i wrote in three hours and then the next day i came back in and i deleted half the lyrics and, and rewrote them because i thought it could it could be cooler so i came up with some like some cooler lines in the chorus and different things you know i did a song that it's coming out well it's all over little nas x's Mm. Instagram and TikTok right now. Basically mm. everything he's posting, he's using my song for the last two weeks. And it's wow. it's called That's What I Want. And and that was me and Omer and and Little Nas and and I'm trying to remember who all was in the room. I think K Beasy or Blake Slatkin. Anyway, a handful of just really talented the net, the new generation of, of smash songwriters who sure. are all like like disgustingly young they're like 20 21 and they they did the, the kid Leroy bieber record stay that's out right now they did mood 24k you know golden mood from last summer so they're on a, a run and we did a session with little nas and i did a song on his first uh, his you know his last album and uh, you know the idea i don't want to give away what anything too, too many details about the song but but on that one i had an idea sonically of a direction we should go that would be new and exciting for him and something unique and reminded us of Atlanta, which is where he's from mm -hmm. referencing old Atlanta hip hop. And I had a course, I just had a, I had the course melody and like kind of a lyric, right? Mm -hmm. Like here's the, here's the concept. It just kind of came out of me. A lot of times I just, if I'm good at one thing is that I'm really good at shutting down my, left side of my brain and just kind of opening the right side of my brain. And so a lot of times when I write, I, I freestyle gibberish mm -hmm. melodies. It's not like I thought about it. It just came out or someone mm -hmm. else in the room will hear gibberish that I'm, that I'm spitting and, and go, Oh my God, it sounds like you said blah, 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 blah. And that's brilliant. And I'm like, Oh, cool. I didn't, that's not what I said, but sure. You know, and, and yeah, like yeah. that is, it's very, very mystifying. And it, to, I, to this day, there's something very almost like sorcery-like about it, about songwriting, because these things just kind of fly. It's, you call, you know, the God, the, the God factor. And, and so for this Nas thing, I had like the basic chorus and melody uh, for the chorus and, and lyrical concept. He took away a copy of my gibberish in the verses. I had a bunch of gibberish in the verses and pre-chorus. 24 hours, he comes back and he had written every single mm. word. Like he's, he's wow. people don't know about Nas. He is... For all the stuff that he posts in on Instagram and TikTok, he's great at trolling people. He's the funniest human being. Never take him on one on one on the internet. He will always <laughs> win. He is good advice. He yeah. is he is quietly one of the most savvy, intelligent artists I have ever worked with. And he is absolutely phenomenal with lyrics. And he came back and like 
hey, I think I got the song. And like, he just hit record the next day. And we were all like, what? And he just sang, literally in like one pass, he sang the whole first verse and pre-chorus. And we we're just like, oh my God, dude. Like, when did, when did you write this? He's like, oh, this morning, you know? So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it comes, songs come about, come about in, a, in a billion different ways, honestly. Yeah, that sounds like it. That's fascinating. Very That's, magical that was, process. That, that, wonderful. <laughs> we're going to, we could talk about that forever, but we're going to do a segue. Rumor has it that I uh, see what I did there. I did. That you I did see that you like to run. Let's talk I about see. that. That did you get? When did you get into running? Oh, yeah. Are you still running? Yeah. Oh my God! Yeah. So I, I ran yesterday. I'm, I'm about to run right as soon as I wrap this uh, interview. I'm going to go for a run. Yeah. So I have been running since. So I played soccer my whole life, right? And basketball, football. I was doing. I, I got crazy into weightlifting and was trying to bench 300. I went through that whole phase and. I went through every kind of athletic phase you can imagine because I genuinely thought I was going to be a pro athlete when I was, let's say, 13, 14. Um, and so then my senior year of high school rolls around and I don't do basketball. Soccer season's over. I don't do basketball for the first time in my life. I'm not playing a sport. And I continue to just eat the same way that a 17-year-old would eat. And then, like, I remember everybody has these turning, these, these pinnacle moments, right, when they realize that, uh, okay, I should probably be on my health game a little better. You know, I don't have the metabolism of a uh, 15-year-old gymnast or, or swimmer. Like, you know, I'm not lucky. I have friends like that who literally can eat a billion calories a day and it doesn't change their body. So I'd say I have a pretty average metabolism, uh, and I love to eat. So the only solution for that was for me to get my keep my ass in shape. I, I like saw a photo of myself when I was like 18 after four or five months of not exercising, and I was out like on a on a boat somewhere, and somebody took a picture, and I happened to see the photo, and I was like, wait a minute, that's what I look like? And I was like, oh hell no! So then like <laughs> the next day, I got I bought new running shoes. This is like uh, I don't even know what year it was, but I. I, I start my freshman year in college, day one, I go for a three or four mile run. And then it was 114 degrees in Oklahoma that day, I'll never Ooh, forget. And I damn near passed out from a heat stroke. And I would go for a run, I'd play basketball for one or two hours, hit the weights, you could go for a mile and a half, two mile run. And uh, so I was always a runner. And in my spare time, I just love it. I listen to music, I listen to pod, you know, I, I running to me it's that that endorphin kick that you get you know the cannabinoids that flood your your body i mean health man i'm a huge cbd advocate and user you know i own a cbd beverage company i wanted uh, to talk to you about that i'm glad you brought it yeah we'll we'll, we'll get into that that's we're, we're now nationwide and california just actually passed the bill yesterday legalizing cbd in all food and beverage so congratulations yeah thank you but so i started taking my health seriously Somebody said a phrase a few years ago to me that I thought was so brilliant. They said, you know, the mass of men spend their their health, they spend their health to make their wealth. And then at some point in life, they panic and scramble, and then they spend their wealth to try to reclaim their health. Bingo. And some and sometimes it doesn't and sometimes it doesn't work. So for me, until my knees give out, running has been my thing i do I, I i try to run uh four to five miles a day if i'm in europe on tour that's how i get to see cities i run through paris if i'm in some city i haven't been to 
let's say like the first time we played in like Cape Town or Estonia or Auckland, you know, I'll go for a long six, seven mile run. And it, I, I learn the city. I learn, I, I go, oh, I want to go to this restaurant later. I want to hit that store later, this, that, and the other. So that's really how I get to, to, to feel the vibe of a city as I go for a long run. I just, I don't know, for me, it's one of my absolute favorite things to do uh, in the world. And then I've slowly been through, because of my trainer, because of Matt, he started getting me doing a lot of glutes and quads and, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, squats and stuff I'd never really focused on. You know, I was always doing push-ups and sit-ups after my runs, but he started getting me focusing on my core, my lower body. And magically my running speed just get kept getting faster and faster and faster and faster to the point that like now on a, on a treadmill, I'm proud to say like my, my resting, like my comfortable pace is like 9.810 on a treadmill. And I'll just kind of keep it set at that and, and rip off four or five miles if I'm running inside. And uh, I'm also a massive fan shout out Nike, their new, those, the uh, the Zoom X shoes that they put out recently have mm. definitely upped my running game. Good to know. Yeah, they're they're insane. They they've added they literally they literally added probably ten percent speed to my wow. just standard pace. Wow! Because they've got carbon fiber like things inside of them, so they they recoil. So they give you they get they actually give you a boost as you're running. It's crazy. So. So yeah, I'm a huge runner. And then, you know, after years of primarily just doing running to stay in shape, I run every time I'm doing a concert, I try to run three to five miles before the concert. I, I learned that from um, Tim McGraw. He's who is shred absolutely one of the most fit people alive. And years ago, I ran into him and I was like, dude, how are you so cut? You're like 20 years older than me and you're in way better shape. It's embarrassing. And he's like, he's like, I run five miles before every concert. And then I do a bunch of like sit-ups and push-ups. And so the moment he told me that, I started implementing that the very next tour we went on. I was like, I'm going to run before every show. Oftentimes, I finish my run five minutes before I'm on stage. So, so I take the wow. stage and I'm already just like soaking, sweating. You're ready to go. But what it does is it, it opens my lungs up. It floods my throat and my lungs with blood, like oxygen-rich yes. blood. And my ability to sing and perform is night and day. My my band can tell if I didn't run before a show. They know. Oh, it's a huge, huge change. Yeah, and it's just good. You know, it's confidence, right? And so then that, that I pivoted from that in, into training with a, a trainer. And the reason I hired a trainer is very simple. I, I pay, you know, probably more than I should to be healthy. But for me, it's worth it because I'm so busy that if I don't have accountability, if I don't have somebody saying, hey, I've only got between 10 and 11 a.m., like we got to get this workout in. Like I need to have that or my day will just fill up. So I pay, you know, A, he's a phenomenal trainer, but B, I have someone that I know, okay, I don't want to blow him off. I want to make this happen. I got, I, you know, I'm going to, I got to turn the phone off. I got to do whatever. And he was the first person that got me into the, the power blocks. I had seen them in a gyms and I thought, well, that's efficient. That's a hell of a lot easier than having, you know, 19 different dumbbells lying around. And so then, yeah, he was the one who kind of turned me on to that, the power blocks in the first place and, and got me on that. On We're that over here train. like bobbleheading, like, yeah, we know. Yeah. We know that. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> now you know too. Yeah. Awesome. And now yeah. everyone, all the listeners know yeah. as well. Now yeah. you said you said something about kind of when you're showing up for your trainer, you were mentioning something like burnout. I'm imagining that 
at the rate that you go, that burnout and anxiety and depression and and all of these slew of mental yes. things, uh, you know, onslaught you. And I'm wondering, how do you deal with that? And I, I, you said you're a CBD advocate, and I wanted to kind of yes. maybe segue into this awesome, mad, tasty water that you've been doing. Is that part of your regimen, would you yeah. say? Oh, for sure. I, I drink three to five a day. Um, so my the guys I went to high school with, that they're called the Stanley Brothers, Joel, Jesse, Jared Stanley. They started a company called Charlotte's Web. And okay. Charlotte's Web quickly, yeah, quickly became the number one, the market cap leader globally in CBD. They're, they are the company that discovered by accident that high dosages of CBD can cure or hold off seizures. And they, there's a five-year-old girl named Charlotte years ago. They've been on the Today Show and a bunch of different shows. And, and uh, they had to, back when it was illegal, when CBD was illegal, you know, her mom was flying into Colorado every few months to get dosages of, mm-hmm. of CBD. And it's the only thing that kept her her kid from having these like life-threatening seizures. She would have up to like 50 a day. And she went from 50 to zero by dosing with CBD. So it has an Incredible. acute effect on epilepsy. But but the thing about CBD that is so important, um, your body already makes it. So mm-hmm. all this hoopla and fear surrounding the boogeyman that was cannabis and people associate CBD with THC. Those are two separate things. THC is a hallucinogen. It's, it is in weed or marijuana. <clears throat> the hemp plant, there's two types of plants, right? There are hemp plants you can grow that have little to zero um, THC in them. I am not at all trying to be high throughout the day. I don't smoke weed. It's not my bag. I, I don't have an issue with it at all. I think a lot of people have a lot of fun with it, but it's just not my bag. But CBD, you know, the body, the human body has a respiratory system. You have an endocrine system. You know, you have an immune system, right? So it's for, I break it down very easily for people who don't understand CBD. If you introduce vitamin C to your immune system, what does it do? It acts as a booster, right? It, uh, you know, echinacea, vitamin C. They improve. They're they're a bullet. They're adding like a layer of Kevlar to your immune system and boosting it. Right when you're sick, you know if you think you're getting the flu, they you know they'll they'll a lot of people will take elderberry, right, which yep. is a huge anti antiviral component. So that's the number one ingredient in Tamiflu, by the way. So so and if you have a, in your respiratory system, what is the single greatest thing you can introduce to your respiratory system? Oxygen, obviously, yes. right. So every human being has a endocannabinoid system. And the endocannabinoid system is the absolute regulator of like 10 different functions in your body. Your body produces cannabinoids, which is CBD. You already produce it. So what does that do? It controls anxiety. It is an and it has an anti-anxiety effect when you go for a run your body produces an inordinate amount of cannabinoids. It floods your system. You know, people talk about the runner's high. Yes. Okay. That a big part of that, a big part of that, that high that you're feeling is this rush of cannabinoids into your system and it calms you down. Then you come off the run and you kind of feel like today's going to be a good day, right? Uh, Runners know what I'm talking about. That's, that's why they do it. It's addicting. Um, It also regulates cannabinoids. The endocannabinoid system regulates, excuse me, it, it regulates, why am I completely spacing on the word? Inflammation. Thank you. Got there it. it is, inflammation. And so the two, the two primary things it regulates are anxiety and inflammation. 
the number one Big all deals. athletes from yeah. middle school to Tom, 44-year-old Tom Brady, the killer of athlete of athletes and the killer of your body is inflammation. Inflammation leads to disease. Inflammation leads to injury. It's why you ice muscles and joints after you might have hurt them. It's why you stretch after working out or before working out or, or do cold plunges. Inflammation is a killer. Well, the number one fighter of inflammation that your body naturally produces is cannabinoids. And the endocannabinoid system regulates how much your body gets. So you, it fights the, it, your cannabinoid system fights a number of things, but the two primary things that it does is regulates your mood i.e. limiting and capping anxiety or lowering anxiety and stress and and inflammation. So for me, once I went down the deep dive on that, and I, I, I spent countless hours with the MD, PhD, Jeff Chen, who ran the UCLA Cannabis Research Institute. He actually started it, the first state-funded Cannabis Research Institute. Also doesn't smoke weed. His, his obsession became CBD because he started seeing the health benefits of it on – uh, you know, count, countless case studies where they were using a range of CBD on people experiencing anxiety and, and inflammation and whatnot. That's why you, if you rub CBD top, topically on people who have arthritis, my, my mother-in-law tried everything known to man to fight her arthritis. This is a true story. She gets about two years ago, starts doing CBD topicals. And for the first time, she started experiencing experiencing relief. Now all she does is drink CBD and she gets the same effect. <laughs> so it, long yeah. story short, I was battling anxiety in 2017. I was battling uh, out of nowhere, having panic attacks, heart palpitations. I couldn't sleep. My serotonin levels were took a nosedive because I wasn't sleeping. I was on Xanax like during the day, which is not something that you want to do. <laughs> you know, Xan Xanax. If you if you're taking a if you don't like flying and you're taking a long haul flight, you, you pop a Xan. I understand it. But if you're doing it during the day, you're battling something bigger. And so I didn't want to be doing prescription drugs. I started dosing CBD 50 to 100 milligrams a day and immediately felt the effect. Stopped taking Xan. Um, it regulated me. It didn't make me tired. It just made me like cogent and like calm and, and focused, just focused. And so I, while I liked how it made me feel, I hated the taste of it because hmm. it tastes like a it tastes like a freaking plant. It's, it's just a hemp plant all ground. Mm -hmm. And I didn't like the dosing mechanism, so I put two and two together, and I thought, man, okay, I don't drink enough water. Nobody does, but I don't drink. I for sure don't drink enough water during the day. I drink way too much. I, I want CBD, and I want to drink more water. How can I combine the two? Boom! Mad Tasty was was born. 2019, I found the head formulas for Starbucks. That people that worked on the pumpkin spice latte and nitro cold brew, like genius flavor, you know, flavor scientists. And they, I told them what I wanted. They put it together. I funded it. I got, I helped design the can. I partnered with a, a clean water nonprofit out mm -hmm. of the UK called Drop for Drop. So we are the only, we're the Tom's shoes of beverages. Rad. We're the only one, one for one beverage that I know of, period. Every time we sell a can, we donate 12 ounces of clean drinking water. We build clean water wells all around the world. We build about two a month. Um, and then ironically, a year after launching the company, Blake Mykoski, the founder of Tom's Shoes, tracked me down through a friend and said, I want to write a big check and be the first outside investor in uh, Mad Tasty. That's awesome. So, yeah, so we've we've got the whole the CEO of Whole Foods, Blake Mykoski, 
Ski, uh, Tom Shoes, Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad, First Bev, the uh, Health Aid Kombucha owners and Essential Water guys. All of them uh, are backers of Mad Tasty, and we are now available uh, in 44 states. And yeah, you can buy us online, madtasty.com. But we're, we're the number one CBD beverage in the country as of this month. I can't wait to try it, I'm, Ryan. I'm super excited because I've been waiting for something like that for a long time. So, hey, Ryan, we are we could talk to you forever, brother, but we're we're up against the clock here, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep writing songs. Keep making the world a better place. We'll do. Thank and, you so uh, much, you Ryan. Guys. Keep using Thanks. those power Thank blocks. You. Keep running, and uh, you know we'll uh, we'll reach out to in the future if you give us a few more minutes, maybe down the road. We'll do. Thank Thanks you, so Ryan. Much, Have Thanks, a beautiful Ryan. run. See ya. I really enjoyed him. What was your favorite part? Oh, goodness. I really actually enjoyed hearing that he put in 10,000 hours during the age of 17 to 22. Well, now, no, so, well, what I heard there was he worked his butt off. Yes. Because the 10,000 hours thing has well, probably been you debunked. you know what I mean. No, I, I do. Just want to make that clear. I shouldn't say it's been debunked, but it kind of has. But but the, the point is, um, whether it's 10,000 or 8,000 or 6,000 or 20,000, he put a boatload of time into his craft at a young age. Which is actually, I want to acknowledge him because yeah. look at what it did for him now. Yeah, I mean, practice yeah. makes literally perfect. He he writes amazing songs. I mean, Counting Stars, that song was massive. And Apologize yeah. with Timbaland. I just remember when that song Timbaland? came out. Timbaland. Yeah. Yes, Timbaland. I don't know who that is. That's okay. You don't need to. He's a rad producer. I know who One Republic is. So there you go. Do you go. know who One Direction is? Uh, no, I mean I do, but <laughs> I, I, I couldn't name a song. I'm so glad that he brought that up too. Yeah, I'm glad well, I was he... going to bring it up because he yeah, did yeah. write a song for them for yes, real. Yes, you know, but he's written a song for like everybody. I didn't get to ask him about Dan Wilson. I, you know, just that'd have been a fun one. But uh, I'm yeah. sure he'd talk to us again. Yeah, he seemed to be um, uh, a very conversational well, type you know, of a guy and, that and, and didn't one, mind talking. And about I did want to ask him because I mean, it, thinking that people that are listening are like, man, here's a rock star, here's a big deal in the music industry. And you can tell by talking to him, he's not, you don't need to ask these questions and they'd be probably inappropriate anyway, but you know, drinking and drugs, you know, like, you, like you'd think of like, like a rock, rock star. star. Right, yeah. and, and Sex, just, drugs, just, rock and roll. he's running mm-hmm. five miles and then going on stage. I'm pretty sure he's not doing a shot of vodka and taking a hit off of, you know, right. whatever. Right, and putting venture capital into, you know, companies that and are changing the world. And he's married with kids and if you follow, I mean, the guy's just a normal person. He's like the guy off the street that's super cool. Well, and in the Gary Vaynerchuk, by the way, selfishly, I might do this because I, we're not gonna, he's gonna turn us down. But if he's good friends with them and they yeah, have a maybe. Week, I mean, if Gary would give us 20 minutes on the podcast, that would oh be legit. my God. That would be amazing. Yeah, well, hey. I dare you to try. I, well, of course I'll try. You know what I, you know, I think we should get is Matt, his trainer. Well, Matt, no, Matt will come on for sure. No. To talk about the Jonas Brothers? Yes. To talk about all of it, yes, yeah. Yes, yes. No, Matt will, yeah. That would be rad. That would be a great guest. Either way, yeah. thank you for putting Ryan Tedder on yeah, today. Yeah. Thanks for getting him. You're welcome. What an awesome guest. Time to head up to the cabin. Time to head up to the time, cabin. Time for me to start. Go hit the power blocks. Go hit some power blocks. I'm go hit some, some power golf blocks. balls. Yeah. No. Awesome. I'll well, play. I'll see you next week then, Jason. Maybe. Maybe. Oh <laughs> well. Be, okay I'll then. Here. I'll be here too. I'll be here. Thanks everybody for listening. Awesome. Podcast at powerblock.com. Thanks for listening, supporting, being a part of our squad. We appreciate you. Peace out.